A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Ups and Downs. If you didn't watch Ups and Downs for all, that's right. I, Simon Miller, are back. And it also means you missed a brand new feature here from the show, which is this. There's my spinning wheel, which we have entitled Dress Ups and Downs. And it is nice and simple. We give a wheel the spin. We wait for it to go round and round and round. And then wherever it stops... It's how I will dress up. And yes, we did this idea because it was Halloween. But Halloween is only one day. So I don't know why I chose to do this. <laughs> I don't want to be a cowboy. And yet here we are. <laughs> Look at this. It's like the cheapest cowboy costume you've ever seen in your life. And if you're asking the question, Simon, are you also wearing the cowboy chaps, even though we can't see your legs? The answer Yes. Anyway, though, enough of this nonsense. Let's start taking things seriously. Let's up those doubts. So, well, <laughs> Dynamite did indeed start this week with Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen, and that was pretty cool because they've been feuding for a while, and every time they do get into a wrestling ring, I think they do have a pretty good match. The reason we're not going to focus on the actual grappling too much, though, is because we need to get to our AEW 2022 bingo cards. I don't know about you, but I did not have the following on mine. For one, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt walked out like seconds after the match had started. I was like, well, where the hell were you guys? In the bathroom or something? <laughs> yes, because they had beaten up Darby Allen so much and broken his ribs, he came out with some white material around his stomach area because we know when you do do that, your bones are impenetrable. And then when Darby even went for the coffin drop, he wasn't able to capitalize on it because he was like, oh man, I can't breathe. I can't do anything. Although he did try to do his crazy dive onto Satnam and Singh is so big, I kid you not, Alan just went bing and he bounced off him like Satnam Singh was a brick wall. Now, I don't know who came up with that spot, but they should get a damn prize. Him and Sanjay were being such dicks at this point, the referee was like, can you just get out of here, please? You are driving me nuts. When Sting, or somebody who was meant to be Sting, but clearly wasn't Sting, attacked Darby Allen with the baseball bat, threw him back into the ring, Jay Leaf was all like, ha, 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 ha. He hit with a lethal injection, 
and he got the one, two, three. Yeehaw. Now it turned out this was Cole Carter, and we probably shouldn't have picked Cole Carter, because while Cole Carter is a talented guy, he doesn't have the exposure needed in all elite wrestling to get any kind of reaction, so he didn't. And also, this was really dumb, because I've already said he was pretending to be Sting, and Sting doesn't like it when you pretend to be Sting, unless it's Sting pretending to be Sting. Sting's music style. So I presumed that the icon was going to come to the ring, but instead he never showed up. And then behind Darby Allen in the squared circle, a mysterious figure arrived. He had a guitar, he smashed it over Darby's head. I'm sure you've already figured this out. It was flipping Jeff Jarrett. He then yelled something about Sting being Darby's biggest weakness, and apparently the best way to prove that is to just twonk somebody with a musical instrument. And I did stare at this a while, going, what, what, what do you know? Jeff Jarrett is in All Elite Wrestling. He also then just did a bunch of Jeff Jarrett things and cut a promo, but once again was doing it in AEW. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a match an up, because when you got into the meat and bones, I did think it was pretty good. And I also want to make it very clear, I've got no problem with anybody getting a job. I've got no problem with anyone being employed. And Jarrett clearly has a bunch of experience, but I can't help get rid of this feeling deep down in my tum-tum. When we do bring somebody new in, I'm always like, well, what about Ricky Starks? What about Miro? We haven't seen them in ages, and I miss them. But I just don't think I need new guys in AEW at the moment. I'd rather we focused on the old ones. Well, I put all this through my brain. I gotta give it a down. It just wasn't for me. We went straight into a John Moxley promo after this as he justified the fact he will be taking on Lee Moriarty later. And he was all like, oh, hi. We wanted Lee in the Blackpool Combat Club back in the day. And maybe one day he shall get in. But first he's got to get a bit tougher. And I'm going to prove that tonight. We also had this video showing the elite vanishing and the death triangle taking their place. You have to presume we're going to do that feud when Kenny Omega and the Bucks finally do come back. And then we've got John Moxley versus Lee Moriarty. I thought it was pretty good. Ethan Page was also on commentary, which instantly made me happy. And after about nine minutes of grappling, they just started to kick the shit out of each other. And I was like, yep, this looks like a John Moxley match. As Lee is part of the firm, though, he was happy to cut some corners, so he was able to get the advantage. And he began to work over the champion's arm. And as I have told you once, and as I will always tell you, this is a very sound strategy in professional wrestling. Because if you can remove a limb from somebody's body, you're probably going to win. If you lose, well, you suck. He then thought he'd try and stop Moxley, which is the dumbest idea ever, because John got back to his feet and just killed him with a lariat. And even though he went straight for the Death Rider after this, Moriarty was like, no, man, I've wounded your limb. It's flashing red, so I'm going to go back to that. But all it did, I mean, it did stop this move, but it also kind of just pissed off Moxley, who I think was fed up at this point, and he locked in the choke. And he got the win. The best part, though, is straight after this, Ethan Page ran down from the commentary booth. He beat Moxley up as Excalibur reminded us, oh, don't forget that Ethan is in that Eliminator title tournament, so he may get a future world championship shot. And I'm sorry, this felt like the planting of seeds to me, and they are beautiful flowers I want to see grow. So all this was okay to me. It felt like a window into things to come. Yeah, no. Rene Paquette was then interviewing Britt Baker and Soraya, although Britt Baker didn't turn up because she didn't want to. This allowed the former Paige to go off on Brit saying, oh man, she's such an entitled asshole and we are gonna fight. And in fact, all I have to do is go and see one more doctor and then I'll have a big announcement. Now, I presume she means like the main AEW doctor who will go, yeah, go and kick some ass. 
I didn't know what she was talking about. At one point, she even said, listen, I love this business so much. One day I got hit by a car and I still wrestled this evening. And while that is absolutely badass, there was a part of me was like, is that a good thing? <laughs> Should we be allowing that? Probably not. But then you got this fire promo from William Regal, who was all like, listen, MJF, you absolute goober. You are never going to be like John Moxley. And I tell you this, if we get to the pay-per-view and somehow Maxwell Jacob Friedman becomes the AEW World Champion when William Regal screws over John Moxley and joins MJF, I may do a little bit of a cowboy dance because I think that could be absolutely brilliant. I've said it now, so watch this space. Straight after this, it was time for Daddy Ass's birthday bash celebration. <laughs> what a sentence that is. As you'd expect after Max Caster's rap, the acclaimed just tried to scissor each other as much as possible. And I was like, damn right, you should do this. When you do get something over in wrestling, you don't know how long it's going to last. So if that thing is taking your scissors in V shapes and just kind of slamming them together, well, you should do it till the cows come home. Look at me, I know a thing about cows. Billy Gunn even got the foam scissoring hand in order to do the scissoring, which made me laugh. And then there were some great lines here as they had presents for Billy Gunn and they were celebrating Billy Gunn. And they also wanted some friends to come to this ceremony, but they wouldn't turn up because they were a bit pissed off that Bill had missed the reunion. And yes, that was a D-Generation X reference. I liked it. And they got totally out of control because Anthony Bowens was all like, listen, we have a certificate of adoption here. We've already signed it. And Daddy asks, if you put your name on it, we can finally be an official family. I started just looking around being like, well, where the hell did that come from? Surprise, surprise, the gun club interrupted and you would do this, wouldn't you? Like, if you were in the back and you saw your dad try to get a couple of new sons, you would walk out like, wait a minute, what the hell is going on? We came out of your penis, Billy Gunn. That's not how pregnancy works. We understand what I'm getting at. Can we stop this? It actually seemed like they cared more about other things, though, namely beating their father up. Because this is when W. Morrissey just appeared and you booted Billy Gunn right in the face. And I was dying at this point. This is the type of goofy wrestling I like. All the bad guys that attack the good guys, which of course is when FTR made the save. And it was strongly hinted that sooner rather than later, we will get Cash and Dax taken on the acclaimed. But they got to go through Austin and Colton Gunn first. And all of this was fine for me because I sat there, I laughed, and I was entertained. And that is all I need in my crazy life. Britt Baker was then finally doing her interview with Tony Schiavone because she's going to do it on her time with the interviewer of her choosing. The long and the short of it is that she hates Soraya and on Rampage, she's going to have a tag team match and her partner will be... Jamie Hayter. Also, it was confirmed that Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm will go down at the pay-per-view. And I kind of feel like one of two things has to happen. Either Jamie Hayter should win the belt or Britt Baker should finally screw her over. We can get into that feud. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And then, <laughs> just because it was time to find out who Chris Jericho was going to face. Do not forget, he'd been walking around saying, uh, any former Ring of Honor champion of any standing, I shall take you on. This, of course, led to rampant speculation throughout the week. And I tell you, AEW, they went and pushed the chaos button. Also the satisfying one. Because just as we picked it up, Colt Cabana's music hit. He came out to a great reaction. Honestly, you need to go watch this just to see the look on his face. He was so damn touched. He was so damn moved. He was so damn emotional. And I like seeing people happy. That's right. I'm a very simple person. It comes out the screen and it makes me happy. Once again, that's the whole point of existence. Now, surely this means that CM Punk isn't coming back for obvious reasons. But watch this. Look at this superpower I have. I was really pleased that Colt Cabana was able to have this kind of reaction and get a match on Dynamite, but I also hope that CM Punk can get over his injury and come back to wrestling in whatever guise that is. Because that just benefits everyone, especially benefits the fans. So you see, these two things can happen at the same time. It's okay. Cabana also came across here as far more serious as opposed to make you think, oh my gosh, maybe he is going to win. And boy, howdy, did he have some near falls here? Until he went for a moonsault and Jericho crotched him. Because as we know, if you hurt your testicles, not going to help you win a wrestling match. To be fair though, Colt was able to get back from this almost instantly. And he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up. And I tell you this, did I really think that Colt Cabana was going to beat Chris Jericho? No. But did I bite a little bit on that? You bet your ass. The best part though is when Cabana actually hit the Superman pin and the referee went one, two, and he was going to hit the three. When that damn Jake Hagar, who was at ringside, pulled on Colt's hand, he broke up this pin. And rightfully so, Cabana went out there and was like, all right, well, now I'm going to kick your ass too. And he did this really cool moonsault. You know what that meant though? It basically served as a distraction. So when Double C got back in the ring, Chris Jericho hit the code breaker and he got the pinfall. And I quite like that as well, because I can't remember the last time the code breaker got a win. 
And it should. Jericho Appreciation Society then decided they were going to destroy commentator Ian Riccoboni because they love this stuff. They just want to take the Ring of Honor promotion and burn it into the ground. When, of course, bit by bit, everybody from the BCC came out there. We had this massive brawl with the focus being on Clastio Castagnoli and Jericho because they're going to have their rematch soon. This was really fun though, and in my stupid opinion, this should be the only ROH stuff on the show because I just think it would mean more. But I am going to give it an up. And we also now need to turn our attentions to the distraction counter. <laughs> you go back to the opening match on Dynamite, you put a one on there, and this one was absolutely distraction. I mean, it was distraction on the 2 9. Put it up again. Ready then, interview the Death Triangle. <laughs> this Pac Man. He is desperate for death and he is desperate for murder. Because after they talked about the fact that Phoenix is going for the All-Atlantic title in around about five minutes, Pac was like, look, I've got a plan. Use the hammer. You didn't use it last time and you failed. So use the hammer and break somebody's skull. Phoenix didn't seem that into it, which we'll talk about in just one second. And you've got to imagine we are building up to the falling out of the death triangle, probably after they take on the Elite, with Kenny and the Bucks winning their championships back. And again, we're going to have to and then AEW did what AEW should always do. They took Orange Cassidy, they took Luchasaurus, and they took Phoenix, and they put them in the ring for the All-Atlantic title. Orange and Phoenix decided to team up together to try and take out the dinosaur to begin with. And you would do that, wouldn't you? Let's just imagine this scenario. You're in some kind of a forest, and you have someone with you that's kind of a friend, but they're kind of your enemy. When a Tyrannosaurus Rex runs out from the trees and starts going, rah, you're not going to go, hold on there, T. I'm just going to fight my friend. No, you team up to take it down. It didn't work for a little bit, which meant Cassidy and Phoenix were able to give us some twirly-whirly wrestling. But then as soon as Orange started to tease the whole pockets thing, <laughs> Luta Saurus got back in there, went, rah, I'm a big guy, and he ruined him. This is when Christian Cage, who had come out with Luchasaurus, was like, you know what, I'm going to join commentary, so maybe he had snuck off to the bathroom too. And it's also when Luchasaurus got hit with the orange punch, and it knocked him so loose, he fell to the outside. This is when the piece of fruit and the luchador decided they were going to do a double dive at him. But oh my gosh, was this a bad idea. <laughs> It's not only did he grab Orange Cassidy and throw him into Sim of the Still Steps, but he took Phoenix and he hurled him through Timmy the Timekeeper's table. I'm like, man, we should have seen it coming. He then started to boot Orange Cassidy up the ramp, because of course there is no disqualifications or counts out in a Triple H, which is when Jungle Boy appeared, talk about shenanigans, he smashed Luchasaurus with a chair, and as Luchasaurus is then all like wibbly wobbly, Jungle ran at him and he hit this crossbody off the entranceway through a table. Look great. Almost instantly, Pac then walked to the ring. He was like, Phoenix, you've got to use the hammer now. You've got to use the hammer now. So I could not stop laughing because he's obsessed with this thing. And while Phoenix did look at it for a little while, he was like, man, I think this is better for like hammering in nails. I'm not going to do it. He got back in the ring. Even though there was a little bit of a back and forth, eventually he got hit with the orange punch and he lost. So that Pac-Man, he's not going to be happy. Also, bring it down. Definitely a distraction. Goes up again. I am still going to give it an up, though. Once again, if this had been the only madness of the evening, I think it would have been more effective. But it was just such a fun damn match. And then the aftermath of this, I tell you, what the hell is going on? Because Pac went, oh, man, if you want to get something done, you've got to do it yourself. And he got the hammer, and he was about to kill some people when New Japan Shibata music hit. And this guy came out with the best friends, and not only did he chase everyone away, but he took the open contract that was at ringside for the All Atlantic Championship and he signed it. So I sat there like that, you see this? I sat there with my jaw agape because I was like, wait a minute. So we are now getting 
Orange Cassidy versus Shibata for a championship in AEW. We are not in Toto anymore, Kansas. Now, there are so many questions given Shibata's injuries, but this just felt like I ended the Phantom Zone. And I've always wanted to enter the Phantom Zone. I can't wait to see what happens here. Give it up. This got even better because we then cut backstage with Tony Schiavone, who was there with Swerve Strickland and rap legend Rick Ross. And I was like, oh my gosh, we just went from Shibata to Rick Ross. This may have been the greatest moment in Dynamite history. If you were just flicking through channels as well, you would have thought Rick Ross was the greatest wrestler ever. Because he started to cut this promo on Swerve, being like, oh man, Swerve's the best wrestler. Swerve's the best rap guy ever, and I'm here to take him to the top. I totally believed it. This is when Keith Lee walked in. He was like, Swerve, why haven't you got back to me all week? Because, of course, in wrestling, you're only allowed to talk in the venue. And after he had asked what Swerve Strickland was doing last week, Rick Ross just pointed at him with accusations. And the whole time he was like, look, no negativity here. This is a positive place. I want Rick Ross to be the world champion. It ended with them deciding they're going to have a big eight-man tag team match next week where they team with the gun club to take on FTR and the acclaimed. And honestly, what we should do here is it should all be a ruse and Keith Lee goes, surprise, and he should go a bad guy too. I think that would make that group even more interesting. It just feels like it's time. And okay, right. Now we get to some controversy, which should never have been controversial to begin with. Sometimes the internet wrestling community just can't help itself. Where it was Marina Shafir versus Jade Cargill for the TBS Championship. And the nerd side of me was like, man, we shouldn't do any TBS Championships until Jade gets her belt back from Nyla Rose. Because I just like the storyline of Nyla being, well, because I have possession of the thing, I've decided I'm the champion. Like why AEW would care, I don't know. But I like goofy wrestling. The reason it's become such a hotbed is because there was a huge row online with people throwing barbs all over the place and basically saying, well, I don't think Marina Shafir is very good, so she shouldn't be in a match like this. Here's the thing. Are you allowed an opinion? Yes. And are you allowed to stand there and go, I don't think this wrestler is very good? Of course you are. But could we also stand to be a little bit more respectful? I'm also going to say yes. I mean, do you not think that Marina isn't out there every single day busting her ass trying to get better? Of course she is. So is Jay Cargill and so is every single person on that roster. I mean, nobody walks out and goes, man, I'm going to have such a crappy match tonight. Sometimes it just happens. And believe you me, I know. I wrestle. Sometimes you're driving home with tears in your eyes. You're like, man, that did not go well at all. So you don't have to like it, and you're certainly allowed to criticize it, but I don't think we have to start going, well, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And also, I'll hold my hands up and tell you, did I think much of it? No, I thought it was a little overbooked. Because as good as Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero are, I don't think we needed commentary over the top of the match, which is what we did get. I think they would have been far better served going on actual commentary. And after Marina had kind of damaged Jade Cargill a little bit, she just hit her with the jaded and she won. This didn't really last very long at all. Fans were also super quiet for this, which didn't help because it had kind of come out of nowhere. And afterwards, Kira Hogan tried to get the TBS title back, but she got beaten up as Nyla and Vicky ran away. And it just didn't really feel like there was any set plan here. Although I am going to give an A for effort. Once again, they quite clearly went out there and they wanted this to work. Sometimes it just doesn't. So I'm going to be that guy and I'm going to annoy everyone, but I don't care because sometimes it's important to plug positivity back into the world. So I am going to give them an up because I respect their hard work. I'm also going to give it a down because again, this wasn't really for me. But they got this nuts House of Black video, which actually was quite cool because it means they are coming back to TV. And I may have got this wrong, but it was Julia Hart tying up Malachi Black and Brody King 
and then basically killing them. Black then said some spooky words like, oh, I am the father and we must be reborn in order to get back up to the head of the mountain before we come back down on a sled. When you kind of saw this grave and you saw a hand come out of it, so we can only assume this is the house of Black being reborn. I mean, this was absolutely potty, but I do enjoy these odd things in wrestling. I don't know where it came from, but now all these rumors can calm down. It feels like Malachi Black is coming back. Which brought us to our main event, which was just big men slapping man meat, because it was Brian Cage versus Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor TV title. Now, it kind of felt like there was no way that Joe was going to lose this, because it just didn't feel like the time. And AEW clearly agreed, because one, he didn't lose, but also two, Brian Cage kind of kicked his ass. Like, I'm not 100% sure how long this match went. Probably about 10 or 12 minutes. And for a good nine of those, it was just Brian running wild. And as ever, it's not just power moves when it comes to Cage. I mean, at one point, he did an insecurity. Have you seen this man? He's really, really big. Commentary was really good here too because they kept going, you don't want to get into a trade of punches with Samoa Joe because you're not going to be able to win. And I think Cage must have heard this because then he did a dive over the top rope. And while I expect this now, because he'd do it before, I still kind of stare at him like, nah, man, you don't make any sense. It's like two plus two equals potato. There's also this terrifying moment when Joe almost landed on his head throwing a pump handle slam, but thankfully he was okay. I just want to point out that I love both of these guys. I think they're so damn good, especially because when you are recapping a match, you can call them Brian and Joe. And it sounds like some kind of kid's cartoon. We also played into this idea that Samoa Joe was desperate, so just as Brian Cage was going for another big slam he was able to lock in the rear naked choke and i told you once i tell you again if you are about to die in wrestling you're definitely going to lose because if you don't tap out you'll die and that ain't worth it so cage did eventually go out so samoa joe is your winner and i am going to give it enough but the aftermath may have been even better still because out came the gates of agony and out came the embassy and they were like oh man we're bad guys we're going to do bad guy stuff when wardlow made the save and just when it seemed like this was going to be Ward's moment, who took him out with a massive spine buster? Powerhouse Will Hop. He also picked up the TNT title and he posed to end Dynamite and this made me so damn happy because I love that guy. Another reason I want Ricky Starks back on my TV. And just to be a bit annoying, yes, I would actually prefer it if all of them were going for the TNT title and you could do stuff like Wardlow versus Samoa Joe versus Brian Cage versus Powerhouse Will Hobbs. Can't help it. It just ended my brain and now it's entering yours too. At least we get them interacting in some way though because I think they are all excellent. Which brought us to the end of Dynamite. (laughs) This was chaotic. There's no two ways about it. A lot of the stuff that happened did make my eyebrow raise up. When I got to the two hours, I did feel sufficiently entertained, which again is what wrestling is all about. Giving it up.